Mental health problems are getting increasing attention in today's military and their families. A recent study revealed that women whose husbands were deployed overseas have a significantly higher risk of child abuse and neglect. What do civilian healthcare providers need to know about the military guidelines? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sharon Freeman. She is the senior editor of In Harm's Way, a psychological treatment handbook for pre- and post-deployment. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. It's really good to be here. Dr. Freeman, how big of a problem is this among our military families? It's extremely significant. We have noticed that the families that are left behind after a military member is deployed are experiencing high levels of stress. They are often uh, very far away from their own biological family, so their support systems are few and far between. Our military members are often living below the poverty line, so their own resources are stretched. And um, these family members are not necessarily women. Often there are single families that are headed by men not used to being the uh, stay-at-home mom, in, in quotation marks. So it's difficult to suddenly find themselves with small children when it's usually the mother that's in charge of uh, running the kids back and forth to all of the activities. How significant is just the piece that they're terrified about their spouse um, coming home alive? There's always that in the back of their minds that, uh, you know, my spouse is in harm's way and is my spouse going to be returning? Um, There's also the part where the lack of contact, the high stress levels, are coming in both directions. Often, the spouse that is overseas or is deployed is concerned that they are going to be abandoned, and there starts to set up this this paranoia that you're going to leave me, I know you're going to leave me, and it takes on a life of its own, which increases, of course, the stress levels and may become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that is another piece that uh, the spouse that is in the position of being the primary parent or the caregiver at home feels that, okay, I'm alone. Now my spouse is deployed, no longer understands me, and they begin to seek someone else to comfort them. And that sets up you know, its own vicious cycle for leaving the children out of the loop, for now leaving the spouse out of the loop. They begin to seek support that is inappropriate. Substance use begins to escalate. And there are many, many, many problems related to this. The Army is responding by increasing the amount of family support groups that are out there to help the families that are left behind when the deployments occur, but it's still extremely difficult. And given that this war has lasted so long and is now becoming a political football, the families are not feeling the support they did at the beginning. Right after 9-11, everyone supported the soldiers, everyone supported the families. And now people are taking it out on the soldiers and the families that somehow the soldiers are to blame for the war. And it's getting to be more difficult for these families to to get support from the communities. 
So it sounds almost more like Vietnam-era kinds of issues. It's getting very close. It's unfortunate. So what as medical providers can we do to help these folks? In the medical community, we need to, first of all, be aware that this is occurring and to screen for the problems associated with these type of disorders, including not only the depression, anxiety uh, disorders that come with feeling overwhelmed and uh, the stress, but also the substance use disorders that follow. If the parent that is left behind is experiencing these things, they may also be neglecting their children and therefore that needs to be screened for as well. And if those pieces begin to show, then some intervention needs to take place and needs to take place quickly. Are there any particular substances? I mean, obviously alcohol, but can you correlate uh, their use with any particular drug or is it everything? It's pretty much everything. The majority of the time it is alcohol because that's the social substance. But the second is marijuana, as usual. People look to do something that's going to take care of the anxiety and nervousness. And uh, cocaine is often the the third most common. Everything else follows, as usual, with uh, pain medications becoming more and more popular because they can be prescribed uh, as legitimate for what hurts me and what ails me. So many of our stay-at-home parents have a tendency to get pain medications and to then become addicted to the pain medications and overuse them. And that shows up in temper problems and in irritability and then in neglect. What else can can we learn to help these families? What else can we learn? I'm not sure what we can learn I guess it's more or less a matter of being aware and not being afraid to screen. We have to screen these family members. We have to screen the parents and make sure we're asking the questions. Once we ask the questions, we have to know how to refer appropriately. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sharon Freeman. We were discussing how to treat military and their families. Now, Dr. Freeman, there are military rules that we have to follow as well. There's always going to be rules in the military because that's what makes the military run. And it's important to understand that there are rules that are written and rules that are not written. And often we have a tendency in the medical professions to assume that what we do in civilian life equates to the same thing in the military life, and that's not always true. So we give advice that, oh, you should just do this. So before that comes out of a health provider's mouth, the health practitioner needs to ask questions first, such as, what's available to you? What is the usual way of handling this in your situation? Is there someone you can call? Do you have a family readiness group? Family readiness groups are those support groups in the military for the families that provide them a tremendous amount of support and that have access to the nuts and bolts of information for the family members while their spouses are deployed. The other pieces that are not helpful 
is being a, um, the best way I can put it, is a military voyeur. Uh, often the healthcare practitioners want to find out what's going on over there. Uh-huh. They start asking questions. Oh, has, has he seen action? What kind of action? Has he killed anybody? Or worse yet, if it, you are also a soldier, well, did you go over? Did you kill anybody? If you, sh- you know, that is the worst thing for somebody to do. Someone who is in uh, the military doesn't want to talk about war stories. It's not exciting. It's not something that gives them a great deal of pleasure. Uh, That's a job that is done, and it's not necessarily something that is even something they're proud of. It's a job. And they're there because they need help with what is presenting, and it's not glamorous. And screening for post-traumatic stress disorder is critical. Post-traumatic stress can show up up to a year or two later, and it can be insidious. Often the symptoms are depression, they can be sleep disorders, it can be irritability, it can be temper problems, it can also be a feeling of just plain discouragement about the world. Uh, Looking at, for example, an individual who is very, very successful in the military comes home, and the best they can do is get a job in a factory. Uh, They used to lead soldiers. They were uh, very successful. They got awards for how well they were able to shoot a target. They always were on time. They always were the best at uh, keeping their uniforms in the best order. And now suddenly they are just your average everyday person they go to the same place every day in the dark, and they're putting a widget together. This person is at high risk for a mood disorder, and they get intrusive symptoms they don't talk about. They have sleep disorders. Uh, they have a feeling of being overwhelmed. They feel uh, in these intrusive thoughts of wanting to injure or of being irritable, lack of you know, temper problems, but they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk to anybody. And they're best treated with therapy. This is not somebody who's treated with, you know, let's just give you a medication and you come back in a week or two weeks or a month and tell me how you're feeling. But obviously a therapist who understands these these cultural issues. Absolutely. This is somebody who has to understand what it's like to be in the military culture, somebody who understands that you've just gone from knowing what your job is every morning, from being surrounded by people who all know what the hierarchy is, from understanding that if you work really, really hard and you do this every, every day and uh, continue to do that, you're going to get a promotion. And then suddenly that doesn't happen anymore. And you're not looked up to. And you're not wearing your proof of how well you did on your sleeve any longer. And you're not saluted. And you're not saluting. Life has changed tremendously, and you're no longer looked up to as somebody who's a hero. You're now working as, you know, barely above minimum wage, and, and you can't pay your rent. Uh, you have a high school degree, and there you are. What about just the loss of structure? That can be devastating to many of our military members. Another patient that I have uh, who uh, was a um, captain, uh, this is somebody, again, who is in a position of authority, 
uh, who is, again, used to structure, used to having a chain of command, and suddenly they are just a housewife. Mm. This is devastating. Uh, She describes it as just feeling like she's floating in the middle of the ocean waiting for somebody to tell her where she's supposed to oar. You know, which direction am I supposed to start oaring the boat? But I don't even see land. Uh, So she's doing everything the mother is supposed to do. She's gone back to her life as a mother. She's got her kids. She's getting up in the morning. She's making sure they go to school. And then she sits in the house and says, now what? It's devastating. Well, thank you, Dr. Freeman. You're very welcome. We've been discussing what you need to know about treating the military with Dr. Sharon Freeman. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.